Hey there, Giants fans. Daryl Slater here with Bob Brookover. Welcome uh, to the latest episode of our Talk is Cheap Giants podcast uh, from NJ Advanced Media, the StarLedgerNJ.com. Well, I mean, there's really, we'll just start with it, this five and one. I mean, I, five and one. The Giants are five and one. And it, it just bears repeating, uh, you know, the, the five and one. It's, it's, it's really hard to, you have to say it a few times to really come to grips with. With that, um, the Giants won their third straight game yesterday. They beat the Ravens. They come back from down 10 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, their third straight victory overall, uh, their third comeback win uh, out of five this year in which they trailed by at least 10 points. And and they, of course, the second straight week in which they overcame a double-digit point deficit after the London game. Um, so there's just so many ways to, to wrap your head around how surprising this Giants season has been. They are now, you know, if you look at it, more than a third of the way through their 17-game regular season, and they are very much in the thick of the playoff race, very much in the thick of the NFC East race behind the undefeated Eagles. They're currently the fifth seed in uh, you know, in, the, in the top wild card in the NFC. And and really, this is the the Giants had a schedule here where there were a couple winnable games early on, Bears, Panthers, but now they have won three games, Titans, Packers, Ravens, that they were not expected to win. And uh, as you look forward here, the schedule – Let's be honest, it's favorable. They do have to go play in Jacksonville and Seattle the next two weeks before they're by. The Giants are 2-0 and on the road, one of three undefeated road teams in the league, along with the Jets and Eagles. And then after the bye, they get a couple winnable home games against Houston and Detroit. So not only is, is the start giving them some wiggle room, which is the word we used last week, but they are they are in the thick of this. And at this point, they are shockingly uh, – very much in the mix to make the playoffs and nobody expected that from Brian Dable's first team. So Bob, I, I guess as we look at this from like the, the broadest view possible, six games into a 17 game regular season for the giants to have five wins. I don't even know what the odds of that would have been. 2%, 3%, 5%. All I know is I picked him to win five games and I was right. <laughs> They've won five. Uh, you know, it's 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 been quite a thing to to watch. I mean, it's a team that you can't knock them out. You can wobble them. You can knock them down. They get up. You know, put them down by double digits. First half, fourth quarter, it doesn't matter. They get up and they find a way to win. I mean, the only the only game they didn't do that was against Dallas, and Dallas is a pretty good team, I think. Uh, even though Dallas lost to the Eagles last night, I I think they showed that they're a pretty good team by being down twenty nothing and coming back and and rallying, you know. But unlike the Giants, they couldn't finish. I mean, it, yesterday might have been the best of their five wins, um, you know, because I do think the Ravens are a good team. I think the Ravens are probably better than the Packers. Um, and have things gone their way? Yeah, did Justin Duck Tucker missed a field goal. I know it was fifty six yards, but that's that's like a 36-yarder for, for Justin Tucker. Uh, you know, he, he hits him from everywhere. He never misses. But he he, he hits the upright. Um, you know, right at the time they needed a, a turnover, Lamar Jackson makes a boneheaded play after um, messing up the snap. And there it is. The game's, the game's there for the Giants to win, and they win it. Um, you know, we, we, we've been witnessing it week after week for six straight weeks. Somebody asked, John Feliciano yesterday, I think, when do you go from being, oh, well, you know, the Giants, you know, they're 
they're they're this team, they're this lucky team. To hey, they're a good team. I'm there. They're a good team. Yeah, they are. I mean that, that there's no talking around it now. I mean they've won three games against teams that were expected to be either pretty good or very good, uh, and the Giants are sitting here now, uh, th- one of three five and one teams in the NFL, along with the Bills and Vikings, and of course the Eagles at six and zero. Oh, and um, yeah, I mean like so. Here's what good teams do, I think, and they 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 seize opportunities, and that's why the Giants weren't able to win so many close games in recent years. I mean this team was twenty two and fifty nine over the last five years. Um, largely because they weren't able to to seize opportunities in close, in, in, you know, and, and do things like the Giants did yesterday. So obviously, you see the Ravens go down the field. They go up twenty to ten early in the fourth quarter on that seventy-five yard touchdown drive. What do the Giants do? They answer right back with seventy-five yard touchdown drive of their own. So you know, while that didn't put them over the top, obviously. That kept them in it. They they would not have won that game without that seventy five yard touchdown drive from from their offense, and that kept the pressure on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Of course, yeah, Jackson makes the really bad, ill advised throw. Um, Julian Love is there, makes the interception, uh, and, and and a great effort for him to return that twenty seven yards, setting up a gimme go ahead touchdown drive. And then, of course, the Giants are able to finish it out with a Kayvon Thibodeau strip sack at the end, and so. On a day when Wink Martindale's defense was not great, uh, for the most part, uh, through three qu- three plus quarters, they they locked it down on those final two Ravens drives, and so um, that's what good teams do. They seize opportunities when when you know their opponent makes a mistake and gives them some wiggle room, and they can close out a win. And that's what the Giants did yesterday. And and they are a well coached team with obviously a, a still flawed roster, but. Um, I mean, that's impressive to me because um, those are the things that are going to be a big part of this next step for the Giants as they maybe finally deliver some results in in their rebuilding process. They uh, they're also a team that just defies statistics. The the Julian Love interception, their first interception of the year. Yep. Six games in, they get their first interception. It, it becomes a huge one for them. Um, you know, Daniel Jones was having a, you know, just just an okay game. He he had that good first, second quarter drive after again. You know, they needed him to answer after they go down seven nothing. He immediately answers. Um, but you know, to, up until that point where they're down twenty to ten, nothing real spectacular from Daniel Jones. That drive, he goes five for five, fifty-seven yards. Uh, you know, he has a third. I think it was a third and twelve play. He finds Wandell Robinson for fifteen yards. Um, or it might've been a second and 12, but whatever, you know, every time they've needed Daniel Jones to come up big, he has, you know, let's go to Saquon Barkley team shut him down in the first half. He does nothing in the first half. The giants keep giving him the football. He comes out in the second half uh, and, and, you know, just makes the plays needed to be made. Scores a game winning touchdown again. You know, you have so many guys on this team playing hurt. Um, you know, the Feliciano was one yesterday. It was obvious at the end of that game that, that Barkley's shoulder was hurting him. He came out for a play and then went back in for scoring the winning touchdown there. They defy statistics, but they define chemistry. I mean, it's, it's all right there. You know, and, and it's sort of a, a mindset now that is building and snowballing on itself because this is a team that really did not necessarily have the belief it could win in recent years. And, and honestly, that's, that's like self-perpetuating. I mean, 
So you look at this team, they won four games last year, then six, four, five, and three, uh, going back to 17, 2017. Um, so they have not, the history has been terrible here in recent years. And now you see six games in a five and one team. And as Leonard Williams said it for the game, like, I was like, how do you process this? How do you rep? He's like, the best thing to do is to not even try, just keep rolling. Um, you know, just keep your head down and don't even try to think about like, why is this happening? Because, um, but the, the fact that it is happening is giving this team a, a, a sense of defiance, a sense of, of, of like true belief, even when they're in tough spots. I mean, yes, they came back from down 13 in, in Nashville in, the, in week one. That was in the second quarter of that deficit. They were down 14 uh, to the Packers in London. That was in the second quarter of that deficit. But look, I mean, the, the Giants in this game, they trailed by 10 points until about six minutes remained in the entire game. So um, this to me was their most impressive comeback because of how sudden it was. And talk to O'Shane Zimenez after the game, and I'll read you the quote. Mm. I will uh, obviously – I will – uh, sanitize it here. <laughs> he said, we, we could have said F it and laid down, but we kept fighting. We don't care what happens. If we're up down winning, losing, we're just going to bust your ass on the next play. I guess I can say the, uh, the a word on here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because we, yeah, we wrote it. Uh, and then, Zim- yeah, then Ziminus continues. We don't give an F if they bust one 59 yards get the mother effer down and we're going to play the next play. Wow. I mean, so first of all, the context of that is that O'Shane Zimenez is like the quiet, <laughs> quietest, most laid back guy who's actually like generally just a very bland interview. Um, but obviously everyone in that locker room is imbued with a sense of like, just, just defiance clearly. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can see. I was. I had read your story. I read it this morning, and I just busted out when I saw those quotes. They were so, so un, unlike O'Shane. But you know, those guys. You know, the, their profession is spend all week getting ready to play Sunday, and on Sunday, from the head coach on down, we see all the emotions come out. And when you win a game, they come out big time. Uh, you know that's talk about uh Feliciano was talking about when they were down 20 to 10 on the sideline he's saying you could see you could see the red faced Dable just you know I said well what was he saying he, he said I, I can't tell you what he's saying but you know he was saying it in that old that old Dable way that you know and you know it just you could tell he wanted us to be urgent you know <laughs> So it was, it, it's a fiery team on Sundays. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, no, and I think people see Brian Dable in his press conferences, and, you know, he's pretty bland, very bland. Um, Extremely bland. Even, even in his press conference yesterday, he was pretty bland and, and not willing to share much, even about, like, the, you know, the clock running zero before the, on that touchdown that made it 20 to 10. Uh, you know, 10 guys on the field. He was pretty bland about all of that. But if you if you look at him on the sideline after they win, you know how happy he was for Wink Martindale. Uh, you know, he has that – he was schooled by Bill Belichick in terms of uh, quotes, but he's unable to, to hide that fiery persona on Sundays. Exactly. I was thinking that same thing, like whereas Belichick is very stone faced on the sideline pretty much no matter what. I mean, you've seen these past couple of weeks where it has just uh, 
come out of Brian Dable after the game, just an emotional release. And of course, these last two games have been very emotional down the stretch uh, as the Giants have you know, overcome deficits against really probably the two best teams on their schedule right up there with the Cowboys so far. So um, just another remarkable win on, on so many levels for the Giants. And they got contributions not only from uh, Daniel Jones in a big spot, as you alluded to, not only from uh, Saquon Barkley, uh, but from a couple of young guys. And, and, and I think we could touch on that a little bit. Uh, Wandale Robinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, you know, of course, Thibodeau with, with the strip sack at the end and Thibodeau crying tears of joy after that. Um, and you wrote a little bit about Wandale Robinson today. First game back from his knee injury. He hadn't really done anything this year because he got hurt in week one. Uh, and you saw glimpses yesterday of how dynamic this kid can be to help, uh, you know, the Giants offense that very badly needs a dynamic receiver. Yeah, I mean, they badly need an explosive guy. And if you if you go back and look at his three catches, the the one he, the touchdown catch he got help from a pick from from David Sills, uh, and that was a a big play there, obviously. But the other two catches for first downs, he uh, and all through, well, first a touchdown is a first down too. So all four of his catches have been for first downs. But if you look at his other two for first downs uh, yesterday. He had separation. I mean, the, the throw before the touchdown that Daniel Jones made was an easy one because he had planted his feet and made a cut on Kyle Hamilton, the, the, the Ravens' first-round pick safety out of Notre Dame, and he had burned him pretty much and had three-yard three, three yard separation. It was a really easy throw for him to make. I think he averaged 13.5 per catch yesterday. Uh, the Giants don't have anybody – like that, uh, you know, Darius Slayton had has had that in the past, but I, not really for a while. Um, you know, it was, it was an exciting thing for the kid, and you had to be happy for the kid too. He was, his family was there. He said his mother was the first time she had been been up to North Jersey since he was drafted. Uh, he obviously has a very close relationship with his mother. He was talking about how he was going to give the football to her after the game, and he couldn't wait. Um, you know, and admitted it was going to be an emotional moment for him because she, she had raised him since he was five by herself and and meant meant the world to him. So it was he was a pretty cool story yesterday. And, you know, to a man, the Giants on offense, Daniel Jones, Feliciano, some others, uh, Tyrod Taylor, um, all talked about how he can be uh, a real big influence in this offense if he can – stay healthy and get get going here and you know there's no reason to think he can't stay healthy he said it was the first time in his life he really had missed more than a week of a week of games in his life so you know hopefully he does stay healthy for the Giants sake because he he's a difference maker yeah and then that's the thing with him I mean you look at him he's a very small guy and so um durability is going to be something that he'll have to continue to show he can have through you know throughout his time in the NFL because he does have the ability when he is healthy and out there to create that separation with his speed, his elusiveness. And that's why, you know, the Giants drafted this kid in the second round, just one year after drafting uh, a guy in Kadarius Tony, who looks like an absolute bust right now. And so they're going to be moving on surely from Sterling Shepard after this season. And, and we'll see what becomes of the Kadarius Tony saga, but Wandale Robinson 
very clearly is a guy who could potentially be a foundational player for this, for this giants offense, because look, I mean, when people drafted, when they drafted him round two, the giants did people looked at it and said, geez, this, this is a weird pick. He's kind of a gadget guy. He's perhaps redundant with Tony. Um, but as it turns out, you know, Tony hasn't done Jack squat this year, uh, just like last year. And, and, uh, here's Wandale Robinson seizing his opportunity, uh, now that he's back from his, his knee injury that sidelined him, uh, since, you know, really midway through that, you know, he only played, I think nine snaps in the Titans game. He didn't play that much in week one, which was a bummer for him because he's close to home. He's from Kentucky. His family came to that game. Um, but obviously a great moment for him with, with family in attendance yesterday in MetLife stadium. And so, yeah, I mean, I think just real quick on the, I mentioned Thibodeau and everyone saw what happened. Everyone read about him, you know, um, crying after the game and, uh, an emotional guy, obviously, but I think the thing to remember with Thibodeau and before we, we can touch real quick on the giants defense here after this, but um, he had it's not like he had been really bad or anything in his previous three games. He had been affecting the quarterback. I mean, he had four pressures each of the two previous games um, and PFF had graded him pretty well. Um, but obviously the strip sack takes his, takes it to another level and we'll, you know, we'll see where he goes from here, but obviously he's a guy who they think can be, a dominant edge rusher, which they've been looking for. And, um, and which, you know, this defense has missed for a while. Um, how big do you, you know, do you see that being for Thibodeau having gotten off the Schneid Schneid? What's the term? Got, he got his first sack. Schneid's great. Uh, (laughs) You know, they need pass rushers. Uh, it looked like Aziz Ojalar was going to provide that for a little bit when he was in there. He was, I thought he was giving some pressure too. um, you know, O'Shane has has provided some of that. Um, Ward nuts. Ward has been, you know, the other outside linebacker for them has been more of a a difference in a run making role when he was early in that game yesterday. He had another tackle for loss. I think he leads the team in that role. Him and him and uh, Dexter Lawrence. Um, but yeah, I mean, pass rushers take time. I mean, they're like offensive left tackles, um, quarterbacks. It takes time for them to to hone their craft and become, you know, the, the dominant, you know, there, there, there are exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, uh, the, you know, the, the guy that comes to me and the New York people hate me for making another Philadelphia reference here, but Brandon Graham was considered a bust two years into his Eagles career. And here we are, I think 11 or 12 years into his career now and considered, you know, he's going to go into the Eagles hall of fame someday. I don't know if he's going to go into the hall of fame, but, you know, he's, he's an icon in Philadelphia now, and it, but it took him time to get there. It took him some time to get there. And before we move on to the defense, we should also mention Daniel Bellinger, who's become a, a vital sure. part of the offense. You know, the, the, the three, the four rookies, the, the rookies have kind of gone into two different categories, the guys who are hurt and done for the year and the other guys who are contributing to this team, which is, you know, it, even though they're five and one, this was supposed to still be a rebuilding year. And for the long term, there could be nothing better than the Giants having four rookies really making huge contributions right now. Yeah. And as, as we, you know, talking about huge contributions, as you were mentioning that, I called up the snap counts from, from, from yesterday's game. And uh, the Giants offense played 65 snaps, and Daniel Bellinger was on the field for 61 of those. I mean, that's that's a pretty darn big workload. Wandale Robinson just 15 snaps of the 65, but obviously made a big impact in in those snaps. And then, then of course, the other guys. We were talking about the edge rushers there. Uh, Thibodeau played 49 of 59. 
Um, and then we mentioned Ward and Zimenez. Zimenez got 33 and Ward 27. So they kind of split the Ojolari uh, workload there. But um, but yeah, I mean, Daniel Bellinger is, is, has clearly, he's a guy who clearly was the number one tight end coming out of the spring, but you wondered like, okay, like what can they reasonably expect from this guy? Um, because they did, they had signed Ricky Seals Jones in the off season, <laughs> obviously he wound up doing nothing and um, was, was essentially cut. So um, the, the Bellinger clearly was his job from, from minute one, but you know, could he make a difference and you've seen so far like absolutely i mean he had that philly special ish type play for the touchdown against the packers and then another good game for him yesterday five targets five catches 38 yards and a touchdown um and so uh, the touchdown of course on that eight yard pass from jones on the 75 yard drive that pulled the giants within 20 to 17 so yeah, I mean, they're getting, like you said, contributions from, if you look at the guys who are hurt rookie-wise, it's really the back end of, of their rookie class, right? I mean, Marcus McKeith and Darian Beavers, who Beavers would have played a significant role, but uh, they've been fortunate that their top-end rookies have... have right, I forgot uh, to mention Dane Belton has been a contributor, yeah. too, for sure. For the most part, other than Cordell Flott, their top-end rookies have been able to stay uh, pretty darn healthy, which I think has been obviously huge, because they were going to rely on those guys all along. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, and that ultimately it's going to be the story of the long term for this team is did they draft well this year? And, you know, the, the early returns are good. I think so. Yeah. And in, in terms of the early returns yesterday for Wink Martindale's defense, I mean, geez, not great. I mean, after the uh, I looked at through my binoculars at him after the Ravens got that 75 yard touchdown drive to go up 20 to 10 with 1254 left in the game. At that point, that was the seventh Ravens drive, and the Giants had forced just two punts. They had allowed 395 yards. They had no answer for for Kenyon Drake, uh, Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, and and Wink Martindale was there on the sideline, his arms crossed, you know, staring out with expressionless face toward the field. And uh, in, interestingly enough, he basically had no no reaction or expression after they after the interception by Julian Love either. He was very stoic on the sideline as usual. Um, but it did look like the Ravens were going to get one over on him, their former defensive coordinator there in Wink Martindale. Um, but the last two drives, um, the, t- the turnover by Love, uh, the takeaway, the pick, and then um, and then the, the uh, Thibodeau strip sack. And, and you talk about, like, how disruptive the defense had been. It really hadn't been, right? Because, I mean, like you said, just uh, they had six takeaways in the first five games, and, th- and all of them were fumbles, fumble recoveries, and three of those were against the Bears, who were dreadful. So they really hadn't done a ton takeaway-wise, but then you see those two big ones late in the game. And, uh, I mean, like, Wing Martindale's going to downplay it, but, like, let's be honest, that that was a huge emotional win for him yesterday. No, he, he – it was funny when I went to Baltimore last week and talked to a couple of his former players and, you know, I said, you know, what's this game going to mean to him? Oh, he's circling this on the count. He said, I guarantee – Patrick – Patrick Queen, this, their uh, linebacker, said, I guarantee you the day he went to the Giants, he circled this game on his calendar, and I guarantee he did. I mean, he, you know, he can say whatever he wants, but when you beat your former team that you were there for 10 years, you know, he talked about his kids. His kids are still there. His granddaughter's there, and, you know, he FaceTimes with her. When you have that going, it, it, it's got to be a special day. I mean, there's, there's, there's no doubt about it. You can say whatever you want. You can say all the right things, but at the end of at the end of the day, it's, it's a huge, huge emotional win for him. 
Okay, let's be honest. I mean, these guys are all competitive, and he's very competitive. And, and I'm sure John Harbaugh is still a, a close a friend for him, holds him in high regard. I mean, John, he, he owes John Harbaugh a lot. Um, but, look, if John Harbaugh wanted Wink Martindale to still be the Ravens' defensive coordinator, he would still be the Ravens' defensive coordinator. Right. I mean, they, the, inter- the interesting thing about it is he replaced him with his, you know, somebody that, that Wink mentored. You know, he, he they, they brought back Mike McDonald, who had gone to Michigan for a year to be the – defensive coordinator and you know they brought him back to Baltimore um you know and the best I can tell nobody really wants to talk about it is that they felt like Wink blitzed too much uh especially last year when the when the um Ravens were really down some some uh cornerbacks you know Marcus Peters was hurt and now for pretty much the year and they felt like he was still blitzing too much um, that's the best I could tell from the whole thing. You know, I don't know. The Giants have had have had their share of injuries in the secondary. They were without two starting cornerbacks in the second half last week against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and they figured out a way not to give up any points. And Wink was still blitzing. Um, so, you know, and I, I do believe Wink Martindale when he says, you know, I, I was happy and excited about a new new opportunity. And you know, it, it it does give him a chance to show, hey, you know what? I'm not about the Baltimore Ravens program. Uh, I have a system that will work wherever I go. Uh, and you know, in order for that to to for if he ever is going to be a head coach, somebody, an owner, has to look at him and say, oh yeah, I, I want I want Wink Martindale's system to be <clears throat> to be what leads my team, you know, to the the level it wants to get to. And, and interesting, you brought up uh, Mike McDonald and the replacement there for Wink Martindale. The, the Ravens had actually had 11 takeaways uh, through the first uh, five weeks of the season, which was tied for the NFL lead, while the Giants at six were like 19th. And, uh, you know, it, it the blitz stuff is and, – and, and, like, the notion of, like, being married to the blitz or being too stubborn with blitzing a lot, that was a big storyline coming into this game, and I wrote about it for Saturday because Lamar Jackson had been really good against the Blitz this year. Not so much last year, but really good through five weeks this year when teams were blitzing him. And so that became the question, like to blitz or not to blitz, uh, what what would Wink Martindale do? Uh, and so the PFF numbers are out. And, I mean, I think everyone kind of saw this yesterday. But So Lamar Jackson had 36 dropbacks in that game. Wink Martindale blitzed him on 23 of those 36 dropbacks. And if you, and of course, uh, the interception being one, uh, the fumble, uh, another one. And if you just look at the, the, the results are, are, are just jarring, uh, in terms of what his now granted, he threw for 121 yards when he was blitzed, but he was blitzed on a lot of, a lot of plays and including the interception. So he had a 45 PFF grade when he was blitzed and a 77 six when he was not blitzed. So like just, he was much better yesterday when he was not blitzed. Whereas, uh, you know, before that he had handled the blitz pretty well and the Ravens pass protection had handled it pretty well. But as it turned out, the blitz got to him. The blitz got to him. They blitzed him. Wink Martindale blitzed him a ton. That's the most, and I know this because I looked up these numbers last week. That is by far the most Wink Martindale has blitzed an opposing quarterback this year. Sixty-four percent of the snaps. I think the previous they were like forty-three percent coming in, right? For yeah, I mean, as a, yeah. As a team, they were at forty-three, like 
totality-wise, number one in the league for the year. But I think in individual games, the most they had done it was like mid-50s, and that was Justin Fields. So they went after Lamar Jackson, and they said, we're coming after you. Go ahead and try to beat this blitz, and he didn't do it. And so how rewarding does that have to be for Wink Martindale? I mean, um, he's got to be, you know, he's got to be floating this week. And that, that yeah, I'll resist, I'll resist the joke. About I am what I am. <laughs> Yeah, I was just a joke about how easy or hard it would be to, for him to float. Big guy, big guy. But <laughs> um, so let's look ahead. I mean, um, the thumbnail sketch of it here is at Jaguars, at Seahawks, bye week versus Texans versus Lions. Giants are five and one. Uh, we don't have to get too much into the Jaguars game, but what will the Giants' record be going to Dallas Thanksgiving? They have four games. You calling nine and one, eight and two, seven and three? I'm going to go eight and two. Uh, I think they'll stumble somewhere around the, along along that way. And you know what? It it could be against the Jaguars. I mean, it's it. You know, you, all you got to do every week in this league is to look at the scores, and you and every week you'll say, "Well, that doesn't make any." You look at a game and you look at three or four games and say, "Well, that doesn't make any sense." Maybe more than that. Uh, so I've got to think along in these next four, there'll be one where you think, you know, I think the Giants should win this game and, and, and they won't, um, you know, I just think one of those is coming up. Um, but the, obviously the opportunity when you look at the schedule is there for, for nine and one, if they play their best football, it's a possibility. Oh, no doubt. I think they will be eight and two. I think they'll lose in Seattle. Um, Yes, the Seahawks are not very good. Geno Smith is playing pretty well, actually. Um, tough place to play, tough trip. Uh, I think that's the game they they lose here. Um, but the other ones, I I think they'll win. We'll get to the predictions at the end, but just um, just looking at like broadly, I mean, right now the Giants are like I said, the fifth seed in the in the NFC, the top wild card. Cowboys are the sixth seed. Eagles are the first seed in the NFC, and of course the Jets, uh, who we also cover, uh, the fifth seed in the AFC. You're a mecca of NFL football. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I mean, so that got me thinking today. Like, and I, I don't know if any of you folks out there have been thinking about this. Like, gee, like, well, the Eagles have been good, obviously, recently, but the Jets and Giants were tied for the worst record in the NFL over the last five years. So, when's the last time the Jets, Giants, and Eagles made the playoffs? So, I'll pause and see if people want to like write it down or think about it before I give the the answer to that. Okay, so think about it. Uh, I you already seen the answer here, Bob. So I would have I would have asked yeah, you. Give the people a hint and tell them to go to your Twitter account. But <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I was I was texting with one of our former writers about this, and he guessed one of the years, but it wasn't the most recent year. So it's happened three times: Jets, Giants, Eagles in the playoffs. Which, if the season ended today, which it doesn't, it would happen again. So those three times are 1981. I'm sure you remember that, Bob, in 81, yeah. Well, um, I, can, I can tell you in 1981, <laughs> the, the, the Eagles, I believe, started 6-0 and and then went to I, – I, I was a freshman in college. Um, started 6-0, and I think, and went to Miami. Ron Jaworski got beat up in Miami. They got crap beat out of him in Miami. The season went to, went to, went to hell from there, and they ended up losing a playoff game to the Giants. 
Um, You're right. They started six and zero. I was negative one that year, so I had to look that up. So they started six and zero. Yes. Then they lost their seventh game. That was in Minnesota. They did lose in Miami later in the year. So okay, it was, Miami was later in the year. But then they lost to the Giants in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, it looks like they indeed they did. They lost twenty seven to twenty one to the Giants that year in the playoffs. So the years, the three years where the Jets, Giants, and Eagles have all made the playoffs, nineteen eighty one. 2002 and 2006. And then there were two other times where the Jets and Giants were both in the playoffs, but not the Eagles. And that was 1985 and 1986. Of course, the Giants winning the Super Bowl in 86. And, you know, those Jets had some pretty darn good teams in the mid 80s with the sack exchange and all that. So, um, but, you know, that just, look, I mean, it's not hard to look it up. Let's be honest. The Jets don't have a lot of playoff appearances. I went and counted it. Uh, Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve playoff appearances, and then if you throw in the other two before the merger, uh, but twelve since the merger, and then sixty-eight and sixty-nine too, the Jets were in the postseason. So uh, that's where it's trending right now. I mean, you have the four and two Jets, the five and one Giants, and the six and zero oh Eagles. Who, by the way, all three are, are the only three uh, unbeaten road teams in the league. Again, very early, but three and O Eagles on the road, three and O Jets on the road, coming off the big win in Green Bay, and two and O Giants on the road as they prepare to go to Jacksonville and then Seattle. So, uh, okay, so let's like if we're prognosticating broadly here with no with no consequence, how many of those three teams will make the playoffs? Oh. I'm going to say the Eagles and Giants do, and the Jets Jets don't, although the Jets are talented. I mean, young and hungry, um, you know. So, I mean, the possibility of all three of them making it is 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 there for sure. It um, is, yeah. I mean, they would make it if the season ended right now very easily. Um, they, they would also be the fifth seed like the Giants – you know they they're four and two. Nobody else nobody else in second place is better than three two and one. So, um, yep. Both teams have the top wild card right now. And right, right. And I, you know, I think they they might both be in the. They probably are both in the division uh, that has the best team in their conference. Buffalo being the best team in the AFC, I think, uh, and, and I think in football really. And the and the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. Um, and probably the second best team in, in football right now. Yeah, that's a very good point. That both of these teams are probably going to have to quote unquote settle uh, for the for the wild card. And of course, as we mentioned a bunch of times on here, like there's you know there's three wild cards now. And so, um, but I mean, as you look at the schedule, the Giants all along had a pretty favorable schedule with those winnable home games. I mean, the, or the Giants go. After Jacksonville, Seattle, we mentioned it. Texans and Lions; those are winnable, winnable. Uh, and then just looking at the other winnable games, they still get uh, the Commanders twice, um, and of course they still have to play some tough games. They get the Eagles twice, they get the Vikings, and the Colts are not a total pushover, um, and they have to play the Cowboys. So it's a balanced schedule, I think, down the stretch. Their schedule comes after starting Thanksgiving. That's when the that's for when sure. Teeth comes. And, but except for those two games against the commanders and then they got it, they have to sweep those games. And um, so look, I think in this schedule format, I think if you get to 10 or 11 wins, you have like a very, very good chance of making the playoffs. Uh, certainly at 11 and six, the jets have a bit of a tougher schedule. I think here they do get to play Denver next week in Denver. 
uh, but they still have to play the Bills twice. They still have to play the Patriots twice. They still have to play the Vikings. They still have to play the Dolphins. Um, and so it's it's a little bit more of a, a perhaps a climb uh, for the Jets. But, I mean. Yeah, the, for- the AFC East is really, you know, after years of being the Patriots and nobody, um, it, it's, it might be the best best division. The AFC East and NFC East, we can say it about both of them, might be the, might be the two best divisions in the whole NFL. It's remarkable. And so in a year when both the Jets and Giants are clearly better than they have been, they're going up against much stiffer competition on the in totality within their division than they have been. So it should make for great theater. And I tell you what, it's October 17th as we're talking, two weeks from Halloween. By this point in recent years, I would have checked that site Tankathon for draft position <laughs> at, at least at least three or four or five times. I have not been to that site one time yet. And here we are talking wild card uh, projections. It's a it's a big change. No no draft chatter. No aggregating of mock drafts. It's 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 certainly a um, a welcome change for Giant fans for the for the stuff that is the focus now. Um, projecting playoff spots instead of projecting draft position. And uh, all you could have asked, I think. I mean, and I, I don't know if you probably agree with this. Like just. Even for the Jets, especially for the Jets, but for the Giants too, just be in the conversation with an extra wild card. If you can be in the conversation in late November, early December, like be relevant, right? I mean, maybe you don't make the playoffs, but for these teams, like that's all these fans necessarily wanted, and maybe the rest would be gravy. Yeah, and you know, it's just and it's just fun. It's just fun to to have a good team, and you know, it's more fun for us to go into a locker room and see a bunch of guys who feel good about what they're doing. You know, uh, you know, I asked Daniel Jones yesterday, I said, so when was the last time you had this much fun playing football? And he just kind of laughed and he goes, it's been a while for sure. Uh, but there's, there's nothing more fun than winning. So, I mean, that's for Daniel Jones. That's, he doesn't really like to say much. And, but the fact he laughed and he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm having fun. Um, and he doesn't really show a lot of emotion, but for him, that was that was shown a little bit. Hey, winning, it's all about winning. Yeah, and then he played at Duke, so I'd have to look at the records when he was there. But they had a couple good years. I don't know if those coincided with his years necessarily, but obviously sure they, was, I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, I think he I think he won there. So um yeah, look, I mean Daniel Jones won three, five, and four games in his starts in his first three years, and now he's five and one for the giants in year four and perhaps everything that comes with that, but we can, well, we've gotten into that and we'll, we can get to it another time, but real quick here at the end, uh, what's your prediction for giants at Jaguars? Well, I'm going to pick the, uh, as I said, I'm convinced they're, they're a good team. And if they're a good team, they should be able to go on the road and beat Jacksonville. And I think they will, but I, you know, I, all their games have been decided by one score. Uh, and I don't think that's going to change. So I'm going to pick the Giants 23 to 17. Yeah, good pick. Uh, I like it. Another low scoring. I think I picked this one, this past one, Ravens 21, Giants 20. So we were kind of like right there with the low scoring nature. I'll pick the Giants to win this game. Um, this is one they should win. A good team goes and win, wins this game. I think the Giants are, are a good team. You know, I it's it's pretty clear at this point that they are at the very least a good team. Um, now, whether they can finish here and uh, make the final push they need to make the playoffs, we'll see. But I'll say Giants 24, uh, Jaguars 17, and another close game, but perhaps one that doesn't 
unfold in a, in a comeback type of situation. I think this is one where the Giants might be able to, to get out to a lead and, and have a little bit more control of the game um, for a longer stretch, if that makes sense. And so, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I know a few Giants fans were making the trip down there. Nice time of year to be down in Jacksonville. Uh, certainly a good good time there. You're not far from the beach. So enjoy it if anyone is uh, making the trip. And uh, be sure to read and check out our stuff at nj.com slash Giants throughout this week. A lot to read about, about the surprising 5-1 Giants. And be sure to like, subscribe, review, rate us on all your podcasting platforms. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one.